Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Um, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Help us now, Lord. You... Your name, Lord Jesus, is Wonderful Counselor, and Lord, we are your patients this morning. We've come to your office for counsel, for wonderful counsel. And so, Lord, through your word, give us the wonderful counsel, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Hebrews 13.20. Please turn to Hebrews 13.20 as we, as we continue here. Uh, Christian said, maybe the last message. I'm thinking, does he know something? I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. This is, uh, I think, the last message. Maybe the Lord doesn't think so. But anyway, uh, this is our message on Behold the Blood, number 11, our 11th message. Hebrews 13, 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Okay. So here we come. We come to our 11th message on Behold the Blood. It's taken us. We've started at the foot of Mount Sinai there when Moses was in front of all of the people and he sprinkled the altar. Then he sprinkled the people in Exodus 24, 8. And he said, when it says there, Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. Behold the blood. That's been our series. Behold the blood. That blood of those animals, it spoke of the coming blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, which made great accomplishments for us. And that's what he was referring to when he died on the cross. His last words in John 19.30 was when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, John 19.30, he said, it is finished. And then he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. When he said it is finished, he meant it is accomplished. It is accomplished. And he was referring to all that his blood accomplished. His blood accomplished for us the removal of all of our sins from Hebrews 9.22. His blood accomplished for us the redemption of our souls from 1 Peter 1.18 through 19. His blood accomplished the covering, the atonement of our sins from Leviticus 17.11. His blood accomplished our reconciliation with God. What we were just singing about, we are reconciled to God from Ephesians 2.13. His blood accomplished the cleansing of our souls from 1 John 1.17. It accomplished our peace with God. The war's over from Colossians 1.20. Our justification from Romans 5.9. The making of our robes white, wearing his robe of righteousness from Revelation 7.14. Our sanctification from Hebrews 13.12. Our overcoming, we were singing about that from Revelation 12.11. The boldness that we now have to come in before God 
from Hebrews 10, 19, the covenant from Luke 2, 22, 20, our protection from Exodus 12, 13. That's quite a list. That's quite a list of what the Lord accomplished, what he meant when he cried out in John 19, 30. It is accomplished. And now we're gonna see one more of the accomplishments of the blood of the Lord. And this is from the verse here that we were reading here where it says that the Lord, that, 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 that God was brought again from the dead through the blood of the everlasting covenant. That's an accomplishment. Bringing again from the dead or what was called the resurrection, the resurrection. His blood accomplished that. It accomplished our bringing back from the dead. And that's what we're gonna see from this verse in Hebrews 13, 20. So here we go. Now, first we are told who is responsible Who is responsible for this resurrection through the blood? And the answer from Hebrews 13, 20 is it's the God of peace, the God of peace. What a wonderful title for God, the God of peace. What does it mean, the God of peace? Well, first of all, of all the titles for God, and there are many of them, many titles for God, but of all of them, the God of peace is the title of hope. It brings us hope because because there is the God of peace, there's great hope. And when God is called the God of peace, that means that God is the author of peace. He's the author of peace. Now, our problem, our problem is that sin destroyed peace with God. It just destroyed it. That's what happened to our first parents when they Adam and Eve, when they sinned, their peace with God was gone. It was destroyed. Now, I, I want you to sort of get a picture of this. I want you just now to kind of play along with me here a little bit and just picture four persons, four persons, Two are on one side and two persons are on the other side. And on one side, we have a person named Mercy. That's his name, Mercy, Mr. Mercy. And then, and then also on the same side with Mercy is this person named Peace, Mr. Peace. And then on the other side, we have a person named Truth. There's Mr. Truth, there he is. And then we also have on the same side another person named Righteousness, Mr. Righteousness. Okay, so we've got Mercy and Peace and we've got Truth and Righteousness. And the thing, can you picture that? Now, in the Garden of Eden, all four of those persons were just in perfect harmony. They were in unity. They were, they, they were together, mercy and peace and truth and righteousness. They just had a wonderful time together. They were great friends. They were inseparable. No problem at all. Then, when Adam and Eve sinned, there was a great division. And Adam, after Adam and Eve sinned, what happened? Immediately, immediately, truth starts to speak, and truth says, I'm out of here. He said, I live by the truth. And the truth is, is that Adam and Eve have sinned. And to say that that they did not sin is not true. And I only live where truth is. And I'm leaving here because I can't stand to be here any longer. So as Mr. Truth, I'm demanding justice. That's the death of Adam and Eve. And I will not stay here any longer. And then what happened? Truth got up and he turned his back and he walked away. And not only that, as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, Mr. Righteousness stood up and said, I'm out of here too. I'm out of here too. I, because I'm Mr. Righteousness. And what Adam and Eve did when they sinned is an offense to me as righteousness. Sin is the opposite of righteousness and I cannot stay here with Adam and Eve. And so as Mr. Righteousness, I demand justice, which is the death of Adam and Eve, and I will not stay here any longer. And righteousness got up also, turned his back and walked away. And that left, the, that left mercy and peace, and they were alone. 
and 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 and, and, and they were watching Mr. Truth and Mr. Righteousness just walk away. And so mercy and peace were crying after them. They would say, stop, stop, come back, come back, don't leave, turn back. But there was no way. The truth and righteousness, they just walked away. And mercy cried out to Mr. Truth, Mr. Righteousness, please have mercy on Adam and Eve. But truth and righteousness said no. And peace, peace, Mr. Peace, he, he, he cried out, please, truth and righteousness, come back, make peace with Adam and Eve. But there was no way. That was a, there was a very sad separation between mercy and peace and truth and righteousness, and, 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 and they, they, could, they could not be reunited. That separation and all this useless crying by mercy and peace for truth and righteousness uh, to come back, that, 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 that was the day. That was the day when there was a separation. That was the day. And what happened is that separation continued on for thousands of years until one day, one day, and that was the day we were singing about, one day when the perfect God's reply, as that song said, God's reply was the perfect lamb. One day the perfect lamb came. Lamb came. That was the sinless Lord Jesus Christ. He took on himself the sins of man, including our sins, including the sins of Adam and Eve. He suffered. He died for the sins of others. And when that happened, mercy and peace now have a new argument for truth and righteousness. Mercy now cries out, look, truth and righteousness. The perfect lamb has suffered. The perfect lamb has died and paid for the sins of all men, for the just, for the unjust. So now you can show mercy as as, as truth and righteousness has been satisfied at the cross. And then peace cries out. Peace cries out and says, look, look, look at the Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect lamb. He's satisfied for sinful man. All the demands of truth and righteousness. He paid for the debts of all their sins. And then truth and righteousness turned around. They turned around and they came back to mercy and peace. And they met on Calvary's ground. They met on Calvary's ground. They met at the foot of the cross. And this was a great meeting, a great reunion, which took place, and it's recorded for us in the Bible. In Psalm 8510, Psalm 8510, this is the record of the reunion of, 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 of truth and righteousness with mercy and peace, where it says there, first of all, in Psalm 8510, mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. I mean, that was a great reconciliation after thousands of years. From, and then in Psalm 85.10, we can see mercy and truth shaking hands. Good to be back together again. Righteousness and peace are so happy. They don't shake hands. They kiss each other. That was all because of the cross. The cross, the cross did that. Righteousness and peace could kiss each other. The cross happened all because of God having the title in Hebrews 13.20 of the God of peace. He's responsible. Who's responsible for this reconciliation? It's God. You know, I remember after I, after I got married, to, I did the unforgivable sin. I married a Gentile. Oh, how terrible. But that's what I did. I married a Gentile, and that was the end with my marriage. With my, not with my marriage. It was the end with my family. It was my family. It wasn't me receiving Christ. It was me marrying a Gentile. And, and they just cut me off because you can't do that where I come from. My, my side of the railroad tracks, you can't do that. 
So anyway, so and I was pretty mad. I was pretty mad at my family, and I said, okay, fine. I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll go enroll in the, in the University of, of Goyism, in the University of Gentilism, and I'll become a Gentile. That's fine. And, and that was my attitude. And, and, I was, and I, they walked away. I said, fine, I walk away too. But my wife said, oh, no. My wife, <laughs> my wife said, I married into a Jewish family, and into a Jewish family I will be. So she began to send gifts and presents. I say, why are you doing that? She sent me gifts and presents and love notes to my father and so forth. And we were reconciled. And then what happened is that when, after we were reconciled, my father used, when we all used to get together, my father used to say, we're reconciled today. And he would point at me and say, not because of you, but because of her. <laughs> you know what happened? Mercy and truth, getting together, peace and righteousness. They could say, we're reconciled because of him because of the Lord Jesus, because of the God of peace. That was all because of the God of peace. He was the real one responsible. Now, the Bible tells us what it means when God is called the God of peace. It's very wonderful. Because by calling the God of peace, we are saying that God is with us. God of peace is responsible for the Emmanuel, God with us. That's what it says in Philippians 4.9. Philippians 4.9 says the God of peace shall be with you. The God of peace means that that there is going to be a bruising of Satan, a bruising of Satan. That's given to us in Romans 16.20. Romans 16.20, which says, the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly, shortly. By calling him the God of peace, it means to remove confusion from us, to remove confusion. It says that in 1 Corinthians 14.33, 1 Corinthians 14.33, God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. The God of peace is responsible for sanctifying us, separating us from this terrible sinful world. It says that in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. The very God of peace sanctify you wholly. He give, and not only that, but as the God of peace, he gives peace. He is the peace giver, according to 2 Thessalonians 3.16. 2 Thessalonians 3.16. Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace, always, by all means. And this is the peace that the Lord Jesus spoke about in John 14, 27. In John 14, 27, the Lord Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you, let not your heart be troubled. This is a special peace that the Lord Jesus calls my peace, my peace. It's not as the world gives. What's the, what's the peace of the world? The peace of the world, peace from the world, comes when there is wealth, when there is wealth, as it says in Psalm 52, 7. Look at how much money I got in Psalm 52, 7. This is the man that made not God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches. That's the world's peace, when there's wealth. The world's peace is when there is family, family together. That's what it says in Psalm 17, 14. Psalm 17, 14. It says, from men, from men of the world which have their portion in this life. And then it says, they are full of children. And, and then peace from, for, the world's peace comes when I've got a, a, Christian was talking about giving an inheritance, leaving it. That's comes, the world has peace when they say, I've got a big inheritance, I'm gonna pass it on, I'm at peace now. That's what it says also in Psalm 17, 14. Psalm 17, 14, they leave the rest of their substance to their babes. They leave the rest of their substance to their babe. Peace in this world is all about how do you feel right now? 
How do you feel now? You feel good now? It's the present satisfaction. Again, Psalm 17, 14 says, they have their portion in this life. They have their portion in this life. Sometimes peace of this world also comes from planning for the future, visualizing the future. For example, that's what the rich man did in Luke 12, 18. Luke 12, 18, when he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. Can you see him? Can you see him visualizing, planning for his future? That brings peace also, peace in the world. Peace, but the peace that the Lord gives is totally different. Peace that comes from reconciliation. Peace that comes from reconciliation. I asked a person this last week uh, that, that uh, I was able to buy a used lift for my, uh, for my pastor's widow and uh, for her mobile home that she really needs. She's 90, 90, I don't know, 91, 92, I forgot. But anyway, she's in her 90s. And, and so I went down there to this mobile home, bought this, this, uh, this used lift off this guy and whose father had just died. He was 72, had a massive heart attack. And I said to him, uh, so what do you think about death? What do you think that happens after death? And he said, after death? He said, that's scary. It's scary. God gives the freedom from scariness of death. That's the peace that God gives. Why? Because he gives a peace from forgiveness of God, forgiveness of God. This is what's called a time of refreshing. It's refreshing to the soul to finally know you're forgiven by God. That's what it says in Acts 3.19. Acts 3.19, when the times of refreshing sh- shall come from the presence of the Lord. We repent, be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from, from the presence of the Lord from the presence of the Lord. He, he, the Lord was saying, he was giving forgiveness of sins. We saw that in Luke 7, 48. Luke 7, 48, he said to a woman, thy sins are forgiven. Caused a big stir, caused a big uprising. That's what he said. But we're justified by faith, according to, to, to Romans 5, 1. There's also the peace that he gives from just a quiet conscience, a quiet conscience. See, there is no peace. There is no peace to the, to, to, in the world. As it says in Isaiah 48, 22, Isaiah 48, 22, there's no peace, saith my God to the wicked. In, in Isaiah 57, 20, Isaiah 57, 20, it likens, it likens to the, the no peace to the troubled sea. The wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There's no peace, saith my God to the wicked. There's no peace, saith my God to the wicked. But peace comes from the cross, Peace comes from the cross, as it says there in Colossians 1.20, that the Lord made peace through the blood of his cross. And then there's a peace of having real hope, true hope, real hope, is what he was talking about in all of John 14, when he starts off and he says, don't let your heart be troubled. He said, he said in my Father's house are many mansions, and, 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 and I go and prepare a place for you. And I'm going to come and receive you to myself so that where I am there you may be also. That's peace through real hope in it to, of heaven. So God is called the God of peace. He's called the God of peace, which means he has a good hand. That's what Ezra called in Ezra, in Ezra 7, 9. Ezra said that it was the good hand of the Lord that was with him. What kind of hand is that? What kind of hand is the good hand of the Lord? Well, the good hand of the Lord, when you consider about Ezra, he was in a very dangerous situation. He was asking the king for permission to go back to Israel. This is a king that had conquered Israel. And now he was asking. Then as he traveled, he was going through enemies. There was a lot of danger. And so that's a hand that shelters. God's hand shelters. He shelters us, the sheltering good hand. 
So the God is the God of peace. He never loses anyone. He says, anybody who's in my hand, he says, there's no one that's going to get them out of my hand. No one that's going to get them out of my hand. Now, what we're told is that the God of peace brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a beautiful picture. He brought from the dead the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot read that without thinking back about what happened to the children of Israel when they left Egypt, when they left Egypt. And this picture is given to us, and also Isaiah was thinking about that as well, when he wrote in Isaiah 63, 11, Isaiah 63, 11, then he remembered he the days of old, Moses and his people saying, where is he that brought them up out of the sea with the shepherd of his flock? Where is he? So what Moses is thinking of, what we're going to think of when we talk about the Lord, the shepherd, the great shepherd bringing up out of the grave is when the children of Israel came to that that place in Egypt, the lower part of Egypt, just above Ethiopia, in a place called the Gulf of Aqaba, the Red Sea. And there Moses stood, he raised the rod of God, the great wind came, the Red Sea parted, they walked across on dry land. They didn't walk on the water. They walked on the land, the land underneath the sea. And so there they are, as they could just imagine this now, as the children of Israel are walking along there on, on, uh, by the shore, and all of a sudden they're walking down and they're dropped below sea level. They're down there at the bottom of the sea, walking along on dry land. They're looking at these massive walls of water here, and they're saying to themselves, we better follow Moses. He said, I don't think this is the time to go straight right now. We can do that later, but not now. And so they're walking across there, and they're saying, stay close to Moses. Look at Moses. Stay close. Don't let him lead you up. Let him lead you out. Let him lead you. See? And here's this, and here, this is the picture. It's the picture of going down and then up and out, up and out. See, that's, this is what that's all about in that picture, is going down and up and out, up and out. And the Lord Jesus went down into death and then up and out, up and out of death in the resurrection. And when you think of the children of Israel following Moses into the Red Sea and then up and out of the Red Sea, that's a picture of baptism. That's a picture of baptism because it says in Colossians 2.12, Colossians 2.12, we are buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him. We are buried going down into the Red Sea, then up and out, we are risen with him. That means when Moses led the people down into the sea, that was a picture of death or being baptized into death. And then when Moses led the people up and out of the Red Sea, that was a picture of rising from the dead or coming out of the waters of baptism, the resurrection. And that's what it says in 1 Corinthians 10.2. 1 Corinthians 10.2 says, they were all baptized unto Moses in the sea. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. 
Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Reach Israel. Join Tom Cantor for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. Early bird registration, only $99, includes a two-day conference pass, meals, teaching, Creation Museum and Tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cantor, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 